Hey everybody, it's Lori. And this is Matt. And it's time for another episode of Teacher Saves, Saves World. Why can't you be more like my stapler? Keeping my papers together. Why aren't you doing your part? Welcome to another episode of the Teacher Saves World podcast, the gathering place for parents and teachers that are trying to save the world one teenager at a time. We're Lori and Matt Jones, married high school teachers and parents of two teenagers, and we will be your hosts for the next 30 or so minutes. But before we go any further, please take a moment and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching for Teacher Saves World. All of this information and our blog can be found on our website, teachersavesworld.com. And don't forget, head over to Amazon and order your copy of Matt's book, Trajectory, The Ten Challenges of High School That Shape a Teenager's Future, a must for all parents and teachers working with high schoolers. On today's episode, we're asking the question, How can teachers manage time better? Ooh, how can they? Seems like such a no-duh kind of question, like, yeah. Why do we need to talk about it? We need to talk about it. Oh, big time. Because <laughs> time has become distorted. Time, I feel like, uh, what was that thing I had? What do teenagers have in their bed? Uh, lava lamp. I feel like I'm living in a lava lamp right now. Like time is just sort of like gloopy and oh, like. I like that blue, analogy. You know, kind of like it's different colors. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what life feels like. It breaks like. off sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it just extends. It's I had of, a lava lamp It's kind of psychedelic. School. Remember how, how hot they would get? Oh yeah, they were. They were. Such <laughs> they a were fire hazard. How many houses probably burned down from teenagers <laughs> leaving their you know lava lamps? Totally on? Totally worth it. Yeah, they were awesome. Like <laughs> I, I remember being so stoked when I got one. <laughs> Tangent. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, historic episode. Historic, you know, in the fact that we're doing something for the first time. Our first interview. First interview. Yeah. We so we conducted an interview with somebody who uh, is an expert in time management. She wrote a book on it. And um, so this is our first interview with a, you know, with an expert. It's it was exciting. pretty cool. It was really, really cool. I was a little nervous, like excited nervous. I was. And I'll, you know, I'll have to admit, um, I was not, I don't think I was very good on the interview. Matt Jones. I was, I was like, I was nervous. I was talking to like this, she wrote, she's written two books and she's like an expert Yeah. and it was an interview and you were so much better. Like right, right after it was done, everybody, right when we finished the interview, I said to Lori, I said, you have to do all the interviews from now on. He did. And um, it, it's silly because he's fantastic, but yeah, I don't know. Are you humble bragging? I just need, I know I need to get practice. I think I need to, I, <laughs> I just, I don't talk on the phone very often. Like I need to like see people. Yeah. Right. I'm not a very good. It's true. If Matt's on the phone, like the whole house will be like, who's Matt? Who's dad talking to? Like yeah. Toby will come in. What's to, who's dad talking to? I just, I don't talk like, on the phone. We get excited if and he's so, talking on the phone. Yeah. We did this, you know, <laughs> by phone and uh, it's our first time doing it. So we're trying it. And you know, you can kind of tell it'll sound like a phone interview. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of uh I got better as it went on. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think we kind of found our groove a little later on. Yeah. Maybe we're all a so little So please stiff. excuse me at first. I was kind of like, <laughs> no, I wasn't very good. So anyway, the person we were talking to is uh, Serena Pariser. And Lori, why don't you tell us a little bit about Serena? Yeah, she's got a, 
amazing resume. She's been teaching for 12 years, everything from kindergarten to 12th grade, which I find incredible, um, public schools, charter schools. She earned her BA in education at Penn State and then moved and got her master's at San Diego State in educational technology. Um, most recently, she's been the assistant director of the for field experience at University of San Diego. So she was working with new teachers and she's keynoted two huge conferences, one at Northern Arizona University, the other at University of Illinois, both for their beginning teacher um, conferences. She's the author of two books. Her first one was Real Talk About Classroom Management with 50 Strategies. And the most recent one is Real Talk About Time Management. And that's the one we kind of go into depth on our interview, which is which was a lot of fun. So that's it. Yeah. So, and the books were through Corwin Press, right? Yep. And that's in like an education, educational press. They do uh, a a lot big of, one. Yeah. So, and we're going to put all those details will be in the show notes where you can buy the books, where you can uh, connect with Serena. But uh, without any further ado, here is our interview with Serena. Okay. Welcome to Teacher Saves World. Serena Pariser. How are you doing today, Serena? I'm good. Thanks for asking. All right. So this episode, we're talking about time management. And time management in this era is so weird, right? I mean, time has just sort of slowed down. Time has become distorted. And we wanted to go, we wanted to go talk to somebody who didn't just metaphorically write the book on time management. She literally wrote the book on time management. So Serena, you wrote a book. Uh, it was the second in your Real Talk series, Real Talk About Time Management for Teachers, for Educators. And um, this is the second book in your Real Talk series. The first one was about classroom management. Uh, uh-huh. And this one you brought on a, a, a co-author. Uh, can you tell us who uh-huh. that was and how that came to be? Yeah, so the first book I wrote on my own, and I mean, I, <laughs> you know that, writing a book is not an easy task. And um, Corwin asked if I would be interested in writing a second one. We kind of were talking about it for a year or so. And one of my colleagues I worked with at USC, Dr. Ed DeRoche, was really interested in this topic. And it got me thinking, Ed is like the best time manager I've ever met in my life. He doesn't forget about anything. He's always pushing me. And I think I'm a great time manager, but he's even like better. So we thought about, you know, we're sitting in his office and we thought about what if we just combine? And so, you know, luckily the publisher went for it and writing a book with a co-author, I was hesitant. It might be harder because it's two people. It's kind of like co-teaching. It can make your life easier and be more powerful for the students or if it doesn't work out. It actually is 10 times harder. Right. Um, luckily, Ed and I had a system down and it worked and we just gelled with each other. But, you know, to talk a little bit about Ed, you see founder and director of the Character Education Resource Center at USC, which gives um, schools across the nation and, uh, and oftentimes in other countries resources to teach character education. Um, he was a middle school teacher. He was a principal. He was a father and a husband. And I mean, <laughs> that is a different set of time management skills in itself. <laughs> then he was actually the dean of the School of Education at University of San Diego. So, you know, to kind of make it that far in life, you have to be an excellent time manager. And also he's been admin, so it gave our book two perspectives. Like I come in from my classroom teaching experience, and he comes in a lot of times with his stories from the principal experience to talk about, you know, the best practices. 
Wow, that's great. You know, and and uh, I guess, you know, this is like all collaboration, right? I mean, sometimes it can be more cumbersome, but when you get those those systems in place and you really, you know, gel with your collaborator, uh, collaborator, it makes things better. And that sounds kind of what happened here with this book. Yeah. So what we did is we kind of took the table of contents we had, and then we would sit down and, and go through like, okay, who's better at this strategy? Who's better at this? And then he does, Oh, that one, I know how to, how to work with parents. And I say, no, this one lesson planning I can do. And so we used our strength to actually make the book stronger as a whole. Awesome. That's uh, I love to, I love to hear that. Love hear you know stories of good collaboration so Mm -hmm. i really love how you structured this book and so we're gonna we're gonna work our we're gonna work our way through the book we're gonna talk section by section and um kind of just ask you to talk about you know uh some general uh ideas and principles in that section and then maybe you know cherry pick a few of the uh strategies that you think might really help in this time of you know distance learning and sort of upside down time as it goes Uh so the first section First section, I love the first section. First section is time Mm -hmm. management mindset. So before we're even necessarily managing time, you know, uh, practically, it's about getting your mind right. So what was the time management mindset all about? So that's a good question. The time management mindset was about the relationship we have with time. It's like anything, like the relationship we have with food, the thoughts we have to really speak about it, the relationship we have with exercise. Um, Ed and I wanted to make sure that teachers were forming healthy relationships with time because if we go into any, any, any job, I mean, teaching especially and say, there's never enough time in my life. There's never enough time at the office. There will never be enough time. So it was kind of taking a step back and instead of being like, all right, how to handle your paperwork, thinking, how do you frame your thoughts and the words you say yourself about the amount of time you have? Because the amount of time teachers have can be the same, but two teachers can speak about it very differently. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. And I love, you know, uh, I love that. I love how, you know, how we frame things really, you know, changes Mm -hmm. how we, how we act and just the simple, you know, idea of, you know, I get to do something versus I have to do something right. And it just Mm -hmm. changes your mindset. So I love, um, you know, one of the things you talk about in here is about being proactive and, Mm -hmm. Uh, in this time of such uncertainty, you know, how do you, you know, what's advice that you can give to teachers where we are, we want to be proactive, but we're sitting around Mm -hmm. waiting for like, what are the plans going to be? So maybe what are some things that we can do if we want to be Mm -hmm. proactive, but don't necessarily know what things are going to look like? Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking about it. It's funny because a teacher, let's say eight, nine, 10 years in, they know exactly what to do at this point to prep in the summer, what they need to do in July, what they need to do in August, but not knowing, you know, how the first day is going to look. And, you know, districts right now, I think this week are getting answers, which can hopefully appease some of the stress and anxiety, but there are factors we can control and factors we can't control. And I think knowing the difference between them um, would actually help relieve a lot of uh, um, mindset anxiety. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. We talked off air about how, uh, you know, where you are at, where, where we are at, we're just now starting to hear these things. And, uh, and you're right, you know, uh, Lori and I have been teaching and you've been teaching for, you know, over a decade for a long time. And we kind of have our systems in place. And it's almost like we're, this is the first year, right? It's kind of like, the Mm -hmm. you know, it's and, and uh, just sort of understanding, you're right, there are things that we control, and there's things that we don't, and we just have to kind of accept things as they come. And, um, you know, make the best of it. 
Yeah, so whether we're in person or virtual, I mean, student turning assignments in late is always stressful for a teacher, you know? But, like, let's say we're going back virtually or even partially virtually, teaching students actually where to turn in the assignment, teaching them time management skills, maybe even more now because they are learning a new language, a lot of them, with virtual academics. Mm-hmm. So explicitly teaching that is something we can control, where we might not have to do that in a 12th grade classroom if it was a brick-and-mortar classroom. Or something like, um, you know, virtually we can assign students now academic buddies to remind each other when assignments are due and things like that. That's something we can control. What we can't control is maybe those one or two or three or even more students that do turn in late. But we know that we did everything in our control. Yeah, that's that's funny you bring that up, Serena, because uh, we were just at the I was at the district office yesterday was in some planning meetings for the year. And they mentioned the district office is hoping that teachers don't even touch content or curriculum for the first couple of weeks. And what that should all be is about protocols for, you know, the how we've digitized everything and also uh-huh. community building. And um uh-huh. And this kind of bridges me into your next section on the planning. And I love the opening anecdote in the little green squares like you do. And you talked about um, <laughs> uh, teachers that seemed happier. And uh-huh. it was put together that the teachers that seemed happier were the teachers that had a very high priority on relationship building with their students. And they planned uh-huh. it. And this is the key. Uh-huh. This is the key to this section. I think you nailed it. Um uh-huh. Talk to, talk a little bit about the the planning that goes into this somewhat organic process, right, of building relationships with the kids. But yeah, I'll, go for it. A lot a lot of times, if we don't like relationships are going to happen in an in person classroom, whether you want them to or not, because students are curious creatures. They're going to wander up to your desk. They're going to ask about the picture on your desk. They're going to ask about where you live, and and so on and so forth. But if you actually plan time for students to feel seen and heard in the lesson, it's so powerful because you get to connect with all of them and hear all of them. Um, and so what I've been doing with a publisher actually is we've been doing an online translation guide for a couple of these bullet points. And we actually translated best practice 16, which is plan enough time for each student because it looks totally different in a virtual classroom. So for example, what that looks like in a virtual classroom is it could be like virtual mon- virtual Monday morning meetings. Virtual check-ins could actually be part of a lesson, whether that's in breakout groups or full class. Virtual dialogue circles. Um, using student names as often as possible. And a lot of times not knowing a student's name or learning it fast enough is a big, it's a real fear in teachers. Yeah. Because students will pick up if we don't know their names. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, I have 150 students. But, you know, they want us to know their names. So if we're using some sort of virtual platform, the names are there, you know? So if we just make sure the settings are to always show names, just using that little name is a really great way for that student to feel like you see them. And isn't um, it nice virtual, to hear your name? Like, it's so simple. Yeah. But, like, when you hear your it name, it really is. It fills I mean, you have you ever met? Have you ever met someone and then you see them again at a dinner party or event or something like that? And they, you know, they forgot your name. You can tell, <laughs> you, you can. know, and it kind of, it kind of creates this distance that they might have not had and for every reason. Um, but using someone's name really pulls them closer to you. Yeah. You might get that. Hey, you know, like mm-hmm. where they have to kind of like, oh, hey. oh, it's Lori. It's Lori, you know. <laughs> hey, friend. Yeah, I know. And I think guilty of it too, you know. 
Um, the other thing is, too, we can delegate a lot of our tasks and teachers. This is a conversation that's happening um, in a lot of professional development circles. We can delegate tasks to students even in a virtual classroom. This could be like keeping track of birthdays. This could be monitoring chat rooms depending on the age. This could be um, leading morning meetings. And then they can all, that helps them feel seen and heard. I like that. I like keeping track of the birthdays. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because students, you know, they want to feel like you know who they are. They're, you're, they're not just a picture on a Zoom screen or something like that. Yeah, and this is humanizing this Zoom screen is, I think, everyone's um, mm-hmm. focus right now. Because you're right, it does feel like you're one in many ways for this. You know, I, I realized every community building activity I had planned is requires us all touching each other. You know, like thumb wrestling. Mm-hmm. No. Um, you know, so I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking that cause I was doing a PD the other month about, you know, day one and in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what if the day one looks differently? But I was talking about in person and we did all these icebreaker activities, which of course it's students working together, touching each other and touching the same materials. Yeah. So we have to really be creative and rethink it, but you know, there's still breakout rooms. They could do one in there or we could, um, do something full class. You know, it still is possible. Well, we'd love to share your, um, when you finish putting together the attachment to strategy 16, plan enough time for each student. We'd love to share that on our site. Mm-hmm. Let us, Absolutely. Let it, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping it helps a lot of teachers. I had a lot of fun writing it and it really, you have to really think outside the box. But the thing about it is when you do these activities, um, the connection activities online, it's the same effect as if you do it in person. Students feel like you know them. They feel more part of, they feel part of your classroom and then they're going to show up more. I love it. And we're going right back to mindset again. We have got to get uh-huh. a, wrap our head around this. This is going to be positive. We're going to stretch and we're going to get to know these kids and love these kids. You know, uh-huh. love it. Okay. So this is why I love your structure. So we get our minds ready, right? <laughs> so, and, and yeah. I love that the first, you know, there's 35 strategies, 10 of them were on mindset. I mean, that's how important that was. And then, yeah. and then we, and then we plan. So we haven't even gotten to the, to school yet. We're, we're planning, we're preparing, and that's, you know, highly, highly important. Well, the third section, we finally get to uh-huh. school. We finally get to school. And, and I find, you know, time management can be, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? In the classroom. And this is where you can go from being a, a decent and okay teacher to an effective teacher with how you manage time. And there just seem to be those who, who, you know, their mind isn't right. They aren't planned. And then that leads to poor time management in the classroom. So, you know, you know, first just talk about time management in the classroom in general, and maybe pinpoint some of the, uh, the key strategies, but also in this, you know, changing different environment, do you see some accommodations we can make to this, you know, online distance learning as far as time management is concerned? I think so. I think, you know, a lot of teachers are feeling, you know, a little bit, I don't know what the word is, stressed or anxious because they feel like they're going to have to be doing so much more um, with, with virtual learning. And I think the real secret is if we can get students to do more, right? And so instead of being passive learners, being really proactive with turning in assignments and showing up to virtual meetings on time. And I think that what this, how this would look differently is that if we take a second to teach this new language um, and helping students feel more confident in managing their time, I think teachers will have an easier time and have more time. The students are kind of doing the work for us. So what that looks like is 
um, teaching students how to write a professional succinct email to a teacher, right? It could look like teaching students, maybe at their middle school, they need to know how to keep an online calendar because you're not there seeing them every day, reminding them that they have meetings or that the assignment's coming up or something like that. Um, another way it could look like is teaching students to keep a notebook and take notes when they have a meeting with a teacher or with classmates. It could be teaching students to turn off their social media distractions when they're quote unquote at work or in the classroom. And I was thinking about this when I was writing the guide and I was like, these are the exact skills that that professional adults use in the workplace, right? Yeah, definitely. So a lot of adults, yeah, so we're teaching these skills earlier than before. It could also be, you know, emails. How many times have you emailed a student and then they just haven't responded and so they missed it? So that's actually a skill about teaching students to respond. They're like star important emails if you don't have time to come back to them now. Um, and so I think if we teach all this, um, our life will be a little bit easier. And this would be many lessons you could teach in your classroom, yeah, in your I, virtual classroom. I, I love uh, that you, because that was one of your strategies was actually teaching the students time management mm-hmm. because so often, you know, we just hear teachers in the, in the staff room complain, Oh, like stu- my students never study. And it's like, well, do you teach them how to study and, and how to prepare mm-hmm. for exams? My students are so disorganized. I was like, well, are you teaching organization? And, and sometimes mm-hmm. we get so caught up, especially at the high school level, because we get so, sub- mm-hmm. we get so subject focused in high school and middle school that sometimes we fail mm-hmm. to remember that we have to teach these, these life skills and time management is as you and I is, and all the adults listening out there know time management can make or break, you know, a lot of the things that are going to happen in your life is how well we manage time. And, and if it's intentionally instructed, we, if we teach that in the classroom, man, we're setting them up for success, not just in our class and relieving mm-hmm. us of stress, but we're setting them up for success, you know, after high school and beyond into life. Yeah, and exactly. And the thing I was thinking about too is that a lot of students that um, are urban youth or inner city youth might not have, um, might not see or have role models at home that do work virtually. It might be, um, you know, they might not see um, those type of jobs. And so if we teach those skills, we're kind of setting them up for success because like I said, it is a different language and they'll feel more empowered and confident coming into our classroom. And I think if we connect it with the real world, like, look, this is what um, consultants do. This is what CEOs do. They have a lot of video meetings. They show up five minutes early to a Zoom call, you know, something like that. Because, like I said, we're not going to be there in person every day to remind Johnny to bring, you know, his book tomorrow. Right. And I, and I also really enjoyed how you made the connection to, you know, if we teach them these skills, we're not just empowering them. We're making life easier on ourselves. Right. Because these yeah. are our students. And if our students are better time managers, they're going to get their assignments. Mm-hmm. They're going to get their, you know, more assignments done on time. The, the quality is going to be better. Our stress is going to be lower because we're not going to have to hassle them about, Hey, where's this and where's that. Um, so it's this, you know, it's a reciprocal sort of uh, situation here. It is. And also our, um, our team teachers, let's say you're teaching eighth grade. And if you have your English class learning skills, those behaviors are going to bleed into the science class, into the social studies class, into the math class. You know, you're going to have more students feeling confident, turning in assignments across the grade level. And that's going to help everyone. Same with high school. Yeah. You know, Lori and I, we talked on a previous episode. We, you know, there was a day prior to technology sort of, you know, really coming into education that we used to do 
like uh, printed agenda planners for like every student and, you know, teachers mm-hmm. had their objectives on the board and we really were intentional about it. And it feels like with technology, we're, we're that, that intentionality is sort of kind of left a little bit. And we're kind of just thinking that, you know, that the kids are just sort of picking up on the technological tools to stay organized, but it, I don't think it's, it's really there. What do you think about that? I don't think so. I mean, I am a little bit older, but, you know, I didn't really start using um, having a really organized Google calendar until a couple of years ago. And that was actually a skill, you know, learning how to like sync my meetings with my, um, with the director, with my colleagues and all that. That was a language I had to learn. And so I was thinking about it, like, what if you had a ninth grade classroom that, you know, when they had group projects, they all had Google calendars that synced the assignments and they had the notifications coming up on their phones. You know, that would just help everyone. And think about how prepared they're going to be to go into workforce and even, you know, how organized they'll be in college. Because I remember my freshman year of college, I wasn't keeping a plan or anything. I just, you know, had my system, which wasn't as efficient, but it did work. But Yeah, and it's just, it's that intentionality, right? It's, it's actually, you know, some of us will just naturally sort of develop a system, but, you know, many won't. And so just if we take the time, to, you know, embed it, you know, help them build a system. Um, and I just, you know, like when we had agenda planners, it seemed to be like, we're kind of, we're, if you haven't picked up on this, Serena, we're a little bit older. We're, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Lori, Lori and I, uh, you know, we're, we're on the older end of things. And so we, we, <laughs> we, we wistfully remember the days of like, you know, paper agenda planners and, um, uh, you know, but once technology has come in, you know, it just feels like we need to take the time. And I love that you point this out. We need to take the time to teach them how to use these tools because on their phone, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of great apps and in, in your time management and, and organizational tools, but they pretty much mm-hmm. just use Snapchat and, you know, their camera and all those kinds of things. So just, you know, intentionally yeah. doing those things is, is a must for teachers. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we, we call it like, virtual professionalism or something like that, you know? Yeah. And until you have to do it, uh, you know, our last principal scheduled everything on Google calendar. And so right. teachers that weren't on Google had to get on real quick because there wasn't going to be a little mm-hmm. flyer or an extra email to remind you it was on Google calendar. And if you did mm-hmm. not set that up, you were in trouble. You're going to miss the meeting with your principal. So, yeah, and you could even make it into a game, like set, set a meeting and then the students that show up, you know, praise or something like that, and then kind of see how many, how many of the, of the students, you know, can kind of keep up with those notifications and those impromptu meetings. And I things like, like that. that. That's cute. Yeah. Have yeah. Little, little snicker bites or something, a little reward mm-hmm. when we're all together. And right? I really think that, you know, to make teachers life easier, you know, just assign them some sort of, I said it before, like, accountability buddy or academic buddy that's or like even a triad hey remember we're meeting with miss harrister at three today just you know they could text each other or something just to make your life easier because you don't want to be you know hunting down 100 students or 20 students or 150 however many we have i want them to feel confident that i ask ask three before me or those cute little things Mm -hmm. yeah and it works virtually as well because i know a lot of teachers in the that they were stretched really thin with the one-on-ones and then with the parents and all that. And so just a way to make systems so the students are turning towards each other before they turn to you. Yeah, you're right. And just make it efficient all the way around. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to dive into section four, and it's my favorite section, Serena. <laughs> it's, uh, I, yeah. you know, one, because I've, I've bought books, right, on specifically on how to take um, 
for teachers and how to take work out of the home, like how to do everything at school. And I've been teaching 20 uh-huh. years and I've never been able to do everything at uh-huh. school, no matter how efficient. So I think I don't think anyone has. <laughs> yeah. And you actually owned it in this. You you focused uh-huh. on balance. In fact, your first quote when you say, in order to take care of your classroom, you must take care of yourself. I'm like, oh, that's a great quote. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, that's Serena. <laughs> like, Serena said that. Because uh-huh. um, you quoted so many <laughs> different people. I'm like, that's Serena. Uh-huh. That's my girl. Because I'm, I'm with you on that. So talk about that balance. You talked about body, mind, soul balance. And then you talked about uh-huh. balance between work and, and home. Yeah, I think um, it gets a little tricky with, you know, the distance learning. Because we are teaching in our homes most of the time. Um, and we're teaching our homes to the students' homes, right? So you might have a cat walk by, or you might have children playing in another room, but it's really um, difficult to get away from our homes with this. But two things I want to talk about. One is I talk a lot about keeping our cups full, and the reason I wrote about this in both of my books, actually, um, is because my first year of teaching, I actually almost burned out because I was grading papers till 9 at night on Friday night, I was canceling plans with friends to make lesson plans, and I came into school so tired that the lessons always flopped anyway. So mm. it was like I was kind of a hamster spinning on a wheel. And I thought if I just tried harder and harder and harder and harder, it would get better, <laughs> and it actually got worse. And so around my fourth year teaching, I started getting into yoga and started going camping again and, you know, made sure I had dinner and with friends and my, it really came into my, you could see it in my classroom. I was laughing and smiling and, you know, bouncing around the classroom and teaching and my ninth graders really noticed it. And so I thought back to what changed and the biggest thing is, one of the biggest things is that I was keeping my cup full and making sure that I came into school balanced. And so that's why I wanted to keep a section of it because with distance learning, whether it's fully distance or a hybrid, um, I think a lot of balance comes with boundaries, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. because in the classroom, we have boundaries, right, with parents and students, because a lot of the teaching is done in person, but when we're teaching into someone's home, you know, that parent might not be able to help out his or her child till seven at night, you know, things like that, is that there's a potential to lose our balance, right, Mm -hmm. and not have me time, and so one of the online translation guides best practices I put is to kind of take control of that up front in the school year, especially if you have middle school students, like 150 that might have a lot of questions about the curriculum in high school. Um, And the way that can look is that actually putting your, um, what do you call them, your boundaries uh, worded very carefully in your syllabus, in your parent letter, because you can't be having text at, you know, midnight or 11 o'clock at night because what's going to happen is you're going to snap because you're stretched too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, in my book, I actually have a welcome letter that it's a teacher in, um, in Poway District near San Diego um, that Zimmerman uses. And we can actually take that letter and just tweak it to online and make it kind of work for your classroom. Another that. idea with, with keeping boundaries would be like, okay, students are going to have questions, right? What about how to set office hours? virtual office hours, so then all the questions come at once, you know, yeah. um, if you have a big assignment coming up, then have an office hours, you know, a, an hour or two where you're, you're there in Zoom or something like that, where parents, and especially students, know that they can answer those questions. You could have a student even leading um, a tutorial, something like that, but 
the point about at home is that making sure that we're not working 24-7. Not because we don't want to. Teachers obviously want to save the world. Um, because I don't, <laughs> yes, think, we I don't do. think it's I don't think it's feasible. I don't. Yeah. And if you um like like if I have my phone, if I love how you say that. I tell the kids, hey, I put my phone in the charger at 9 p.m. And then that's when mm-hmm. I read or I watch a show and then I go to sleep. So just rest mm-hmm. assured you can send an email, but it will not be answered mm-hmm. until my office hours the next day because I need to get enough sleep mm-hmm. to, you know, hang with all you rascals, you know, and have the energy. Yeah. But and if I pick up an email, too- I want to answer it. So I can't even pick up the phone. I know. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, most of my experience has been in inner city, and there's always that one or, those one or two students that you go out of your way for, right? Yeah. Like, you know that you're one of their only hopes. And so instead of, you know, another option we have is just saying, I probably will not be able to reply, something like that. So if you really know that, like, Sarah really needs that question answered, then you're not breaking your own boundary. You're kind of just, you know, tiptoeing around your wording. Yeah. You can also do your, your boundaries in a short welcome video. Um, and I think with COVID, our students, you know, we, we're going to open up a little bit more about our, our lives. They might know that we have a newborn at home. They might mm-hmm. know that, you know, we can't be on after 8 o'clock because yada, yada, yada. But yeah. I think it's going to personalize, you know, everything a little bit more. I think they're always very appreciative when you are honest with them. Because, you know, teenagers, kids yeah. can sniff out, you know, disingenuous mm-hmm. um, and they, they like when you kind of open up and, and say, I'm having a rough day or this has been a rough couple of weeks. I've got mm-hmm. some, you know, my mother has a medical issue or whatever. They're like, okay, we got mm-hmm. you, Miss Jones. You know, they're, they're sweet about it mm-hmm. that way. But I love that you mm-hmm. included the, the exercise, the yoga, even that checklist. Mm-hmm. The Talk real quick about the checklist because that was really cool. Um, oh, the self-care inventory. So yes. um, edit. Ed and I, I call him Ed, the Dr. DeRoche and I, um, we made this inventory kind of a checklist and it's a little bit loose, meaning that you can use it however you like. So it asks you um, questions like, are you drinking enough water? Um, you know, which is interesting because we'll be able to drink more water in our house because we go to the <laughs> bathroom. But, you know, that's a, that's a real problem with teaching. <laughs> um, and so are you eating right? Are you exercising? And the big thing is like, are you talking to loved ones? Like not even just ones in your household, like, family and friends, you know, keeping up those conversations now with colleagues. Um, are you, you know, being mindful? And then if you, if you take it, you can kind of see like, Oh, I'm actually not eating that well this week. Or actually I haven't called a friend outside of work in like a week. And you can kind of get a gauge on how you're doing, um, at home. And so I would use it, you know, you can use it weekly. You can use it once a semester. You can use it once a month, but you kind of know what's best for you, and it kind of helps you stay balanced. Yeah. And the point of that is that you can show up a better teacher for your students. Those things can slip away as we get a little older. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about when's the last mm-hmm. time I did something social that wasn't just with Matt watching Netflix? Yeah. You know, like not yeah, that exactly. that's not what's fa- wrong with that. That's fabulous. But um, (laughs) I know we had drinks with some friends the other night and we told our daughter we'd be there gone like for an hour and it was like hour three and she's texting, where are you guys? I'm like, oh, what? Has it Mm -hmm. been three hours? She's like, you promised you'd be home. (laughs) But, you know, we need that. We wouldn't have checked that on the inventory, obviously, right? We needed to check that off. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, we're chugging our coffee and we're just go, go, go. And it's teachers, you know, we, like I said, we want to save the world and oftentimes we do. And, but it's important that we also, you know, look after ourselves. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I think it, this is the perfect note to, to end the interview on because it t- saving the world. And even though we, it's a little tongue in cheek, it's not really, it's, you know, our work as right. teachers um, can sometimes feel a little thankless because it is so overwhelming. Um, it's never ending. And to save the world, we got to, we got to save ourselves first. We got to keep ourselves in tip top shape. And, um, mm-hmm. and you're, you're helping us do that, Serena, with your books. I mean, they're, they're, Thank you. they're so genuine, they're so usable, and I really can, um, can see them helping teachers, especially this year as we go back into this crazy mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. distance learning realm. But um, mm-hmm. Exactly. We, you know, as we're talking about the book, share with us how people can find you on your socials and uh, how they can buy the book. Books. Okay. Um, so I'm active on Twitter. It's at Serena Pariser, S-E-R-E-N-A-P-A-R-I-S-E-R. I have a blog that has on my social media. It's just www.serenapariser.com. Uh, Facebook is just my full name. That's my professional, um, where you can put my books and all that. It's, it's just like the Serena Pariser on Facebook. Instagram, same thing, Serena Pariser. Luckily, my name's not too common, so I got to use, know. you know, just my full first and last name spelled out and you'll find me that's perfect and then you can also go to the Corwin website and both of my real talk about classroom management and they'll talk about time management there and they actually have a 30 percent off sale now and free shipping so it's cheaper than amazon right now if you go to Corwin wow and that's c-o-r-w-i-n educational Mm -hmm. publisher beautiful Mm -hmm. well you've you've helped make history with us serena you're our first um on podcast interview Yay! Hopefully many more for you guys. And we've loved having you. Oh, that's really fun. Thank you. Thanks, Serena. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, Matt. And just like that, another episode has come to an end. We are so grateful that you took the time to listen and invest in the lives of our teens, the leaders of tomorrow. We invite you to bring someone new with you next week and help grow the army of caring adults needed to help our teens live their best lives. Please share the show on your social media and make sure to subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram so that you don't miss a thing. Until next time, let's keep saving the world. One teenager at a time. Yeah, baby.